0: So, hello friends, and welcome to the podcast. This is episode 33, and we're going to start a new series over several episodes to come to do with the life of David. Yeah, we're going to take a look at the life of this um, amazing character out of the Old Testament that um, frames so many of the chapters that we find um, there. um, More space is given over to David than any other Old Testament character, so that speaks to us of something of the importance of this man. And um, so that's the reason why we're going to spend several episodes really taking a look at this um, this particular character. And we're going to frame our talks from a particular perspective because we're going to look at David's life through the Psalms. That is to say, we're going to take several Psalms that speak specifically in their introductions to a historical moment in David's life and in looking at those Psalms, examine what we can learn about him as a character and in learning things about him as a character to reflect that back on our own life and um, on our own journeys. So we're, we're digging into the humanity of this person. We're taking a particular look at um, who David is and how he operated He's known as a man who really had God's heart and so he is significant from that perspective and from that point of view. And, of course, his genealogy reaches deep into uh, the life of Christ himself. So Jesus ultimately comes from the line of David. Now, when you look at the Psalms, 150 of them all together, many of them are accredited to this character. And some of them are given particular um, references by way of introduction. So, for example, Psalm 3 says, When he fled from his son Absalom. So when you read an introduction like that, you're thinking, okay, so there's something particularly interesting that we should be drawing from this character, so let's read the psalm and then let's overlay it from its historical narrative, let's find the place in the Old Testament that refers to this particular story, and let's marry the two of them together and see what we can learn from our endeavour and from our journey into that aspect of a particular person's life. And so, as I said, there are many Psalms that, uh, that are overlaid in this particular way. And um, through this series, we're going to take a look at some of them and see what we can learn and what we can discover ourselves. My, my particular interest here is to really unearth something of the humanity of this individual, to, to dig deep into emotion, to consider the historical context out of which these psalms are written, and ask ourselves the question, okay, what do we learn about this man, what do we learn about this person, and what does it teach us about ourselves? in terms of how we handle situations, challenges, and difficulties that we face as we journey through life. So to start with, we're joining David um, at a time in his life where he is on the run from this king called Saul. Saul is the first person or the first king that we read of in the Old Testament. The people of God have asked for a king like the other nations have kings, and so Samuel, who's the prophet at the time, in obedience to God, anoints this man Saul to be king over Israel. Now Saul uh, moves on in his role and in his new identity, but as a result of in Ninas, as you might say, he he finds that the kingship is taken from him, and that God removes the the anointing or the authority that he's given for his task. Not that that happens immediately; it's something that will happen over a period of time. And so Saul is still operating as king, but whilst he's operating as king, he's obviously uh, very conscious of. Um, What's been spoken to him now uh, by Samuel the prophet, that his kingship is in jeopardy, that he's not going to rule and reign for the rest of his days. And a new contender is going to come onto the block who's going to take that kingship away from him. And that new contender is going to be a young man called David. Like we said, there's lots to be said of him, and we're not really starting right at the beginning of his life as we uh, jump into this story, uh, particularly taking reference to his life through the Psalms, but we're we're moving somewhat into David's life, and that's where we pick him up, where he is really a, a fugitive, Uh, David, as we join him in the story for today, and as we reference this back to uh, one of the Psalms that we're going to be reflecting on um, and thinking about, uh, David is, is a fugitive, he is a man on the run, and he's fearful and he's confused because he can't really understand why. Why David hates him so much, while, why, David, uh, well, sorry, why, why Saul hates him so much, why Saul is so jealous of this man. And so he comes to David's son, Jonathan, with whom David strikes up a very close and, and important friendship. And we read in the text in 1 Samuel 20, these words, he said, Then David fled from Nioth to Ramar. And he went to Jonathan and asked him, What have I done? What is my crime? How have I wronged your father that he is trying to kill me? Maybe David has misunderstood the power of jealousy to corrupt a person. That inner poison that contaminates heart and soul. Maybe what we have here is David as a young man, and as a young man, he's, he's too young himself to have been really jealous of another person. Perhaps jealousy is more deadly, you know, when you've lived a bit and you've experienced life and you know how fortune can turn, or indeed, maybe you look and think it's never arrived. And, and this was Saul's problem. Saul was a jealous man and he was deadly jealous of David because he could see that the fortunes of favor were turning against him and towards David. And so it's his problem. He's fallen out of favor with God. It was his own act of disobedience which got him there. And he's clinging on to power for dear life. And as a result, he's intent on destroying any threats that come his way. And David was that threat. David's military success, coming off the back of Saul's rejection as king, was tearing Saul apart on the inside. His hatred for David was beyond containment. It was greater than the love he had for him at the beginning, and it was troubling him Saul was taunted by David's success because all the people were going about and they were singing and they were shouting of this success this new success that David was gathering around himself and it was like it was like having salt rubbed in the wound really maybe you've experienced a little bit of that yourself where where, where you, you, you are faced with a situation, and as a result of it, you, you are having to deal with, a, with an inner jealousy that, that is really trying to consume you, and you get beyond the place where you can contain it. And as a result, your feelings towards another person, another individual, begin to change. And this is the song that they were singing. They were singing, "Slain has, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. The passage, then, the text from 1 Samuel 20, which we referenced um, earlier, says, And Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought. But with me, only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. We can see the picture building, can't we? We, we, we can see really what is going off under the surface here. And and maybe this is where we start to draw our own life lessons. <coughs> maybe it's at this point that, that we we recognize ourselves, something of the power of the emotion of jealousy to, to corrupt and, and damage, how it can run so, so powerfully out of control. This was David's problem. The main difference between envy and jealousy is that envy is the emotion of coveting what someone else has whilst jealousy is the emotion related to fear that something you have will be taken away by someone else. And this is precisely Saul's issue. I guess we've probably all experienced both of these things. Envy, that desire to covet what someone else has. Mm. Are you green with envy, we say? Uh, When we, know, maybe we we covet another situation, we see privilege or process in another person's life and we want that for ourselves and we, we envy that situation. But jealousy is the emotion related to fearing that something that we have had will be taken away by someone else. Maybe a position. Maybe a platform. Maybe something that we've accumulated around us in our life, and a competitor, let's call them, steps onto the scene, and that competitor threatens our position, threatens our power base, threatens our privilege, and we start to feel jealous towards that person. What do we do with that jealousy? How do we act in, in that situation? Uh, and this was precisely Saul's problem. In Proverbs 27, 4, it says, Anger is cruel, and fury overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? So, so David and Jonathan, his best friend, who happens to be, as we said, Saul's son, they concoct a plan to test just how in danger David's life really is. It's like trying to get a measure on the situation, you know, because emotion can go play havoc with our minds. We, we can feel all sorts of things and and the question often we, we, we have to answer is how much of this is perception? How much of this is, is real? How much of this is just growing bigger in my mind than what it should be and occupying more attention than it should really have so that we're living with large levels of distraction and failing to concentrate on the things that really matter and, and are important. And so David and Jonathan, they, they, they concoct this plan. It, it's it's a simple plan, but it's a really effective plan to try and get to the the bottom of of what really is going off here. Is Saul really as angry as what they are led to believe? Well, the story goes on. So David said, look, tomorrow is the new moon feast and I'm supposed to dine with the king, but let me go and hide in the field until the evening of the day after tomorrow. If your father misses me at all, tell him, David earnestly asked my permission to hurry to Bethlehem, his hometown, because an annual sacrifice is being made there for his whole clan. If he says, very well, then your servant is safe. But if he loses his temper, you can be sure that he is determined to harm me. Hmm. You can't help but feel that... This idea of losing one's temper is a true barometer of what's going off inside a person. You know yourself, so do I, that when we lose our temper, we are stepping beyond self-control. We're stepping into territory that is actually very telling of true feeling. You've probably, sure you have, experienced the temper of somebody else. Maybe you've experienced on numerous occasions losing temper yourself. And after temper is lost and then we regain our ground, we we often look at ourselves and feel that, gosh, you know, uh, I was really out of control there, out of order there. And, and it is very telling of, of some of the deeper issues that are going off often in our lives. So he says, very well, then your servant is safe, but if he loses his temper, you can be sure that he's determined to harm me. They both know that if there is something brewing, then Saul is not gonna be able to keep his cool. And so they put him to the test. They wanna find out what really is going off in this man's life. And so the story goes on. Then Jonathan said to David, I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, that I will surely sound out my father by this time, the day after tomorrow. And if he is favorably disposed towards you, will I not send you word and let you know? But if my father intends to harm you, may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if I do not let you know and send you away in peace. Then Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is the new moon feast. You will be missed because your seat will be empty. The day after tomorrow, towards evening, go to the place where you hid when this trouble began, and wait by the stone Ezel. I will shoot three arrows to the side of it, as though I were shooting at a target. Then I will send a boy and say, Go find the arrows. If I say to him, Look The arrows are on this side of you, bring them here, then come, because as surely as the Lord lives, you are safe, there is no danger. But if I say to the boy, look, the arrows are beyond you, then you must go, because the Lord has sent you away. The test is simple but clever. They may be young, but they're reading human nature really well. And part of the key of success and fruitfulness and, and flourishing in life is, is the ability to read human nature well, to know what is happening beneath the surface, to be able to make an assessment, to draw a judgment that allows you to have insight into what is going off Within the heart and the soul of another person. Jealousy, like all emotions, really has its trigger points. There's a place from which it can't be contained any longer. Uh, And what David and Jonathan are doing is they're going in search of those trigger points. What buttons need to be pressed to change the, the metaphor? What needs to happen? to trigger Saul's anger that will give us a real indication as to the level of jealousy that this man holds again the story continues so david hid in the field and when the new moon feast came the king sat down to eat he sat in his customary place by the wall opposite jonathan and abner sat next to david that's next to saul but david's place was empty Saul said nothing that day, for he thought something must have happened to David to make him ceremonially unclean. Surely he is unclean. But the next day, the second day of the month, David's place was empty again. Then Saul said to his son Jonathan, Why hasn't the son of Jesse come to the meal either yesterday or today? You can see the scene. Saul's eyes are riveted on David's empty seat. That's how jealousy works. It creates a consuming gaze which overrides everything else. It's often unspoken, but at some point in that relational context and situation, it will be triggered. And it's that trigger that David and Jonathan are searching for. In a softer form, looking at our own lives, it's the feeling we have when we've done a job, maybe faithfully, lovingly, and then we either hand it over or it's taken from us, and we celebrate the passing of that role and that job, but inside there's that little feeling that that says to you, uh, they won't do it as well as I did. They can't do it as well as what we did it. It's part of human nature somehow, it's an intrinsic sort of aspect of our character that we truly do have to take a a hold of and, and rein in. I guess you know you're struggling with jealousy when inside you find it hard to celebrate the other person's success. It's horrible to think that way. It's horrible but so often true and very real. And if you struggle in those areas, or if I do, then this is a real indicator that we have jealousy in our hearts. And we need to ask the questions, honestly, how are we going to deal with that? Because otherwise it's going to continue to consume us and consume, continue to eat us up. Now, Saul's a, a long way down the jealousy road. He might never be able to get off it. It's become so entrenched in his mind, in his thinking, in his heart. And and now, as we're about to see in his actions, that that jealousy is running really deep. It goes a long way down and it's going to take a lot of getting out of. The story goes on. Jonathan answered, David earnestly asked me for permission to go to Bethlehem. He said, let me go because our family is observing a sacrifice in the town and my brother has ordered me to be there. If I found favour in your eyes, let me go to see my brothers. That is why he has not come to the king's table. Saul's anger flared up at Jonathan and he said to him, You son of a perverse and rebellious woman. Not mincing his words here. Don't I know that you have sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of the mother who bore you? As long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send someone to bring him to me, for he must die. So the next day, Jonathan goes out into the field where David is, and he shoots the three arrows, and whilst his servant boy is running for them, he shouts out, hurry, go quickly, don't stop. And the boy picks up the arrow and returns to his master. And after the boy had gone, the story continues, David got up from the south side of the stone and bowed down before Jonathan three times with his face to the ground. Then they kissed each other and wept together, but David wept the most. Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord is witness between you and me, and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left, and Jonathan went back to the town. There's a real deep bond between these two young men. And with tears still fresh in their faces, they part company. And David is left alone. He's left alone with his fears, with his thoughts, and with the worry that a very powerful man is trying to take his life. It's out of the depth of this experience and these emotions that David pens some of these most famous psalms. It's thinking about and recognizing where David is positioned in life at this moment that we dig into those Psalms. But as we approach them, we're not approaching them just as a text to read. We're approaching them knowing the depth of the hardship, the difficulty, the challenge that David is experiencing as he writes them. And so, When we come to our first Psalm, which is what we're going to do next time after we've concluded today's introduction, when we come to this first Psalm, we're going to read it from a completely different perspective, knowing that here is David. He's on the run. He's a fugitive in the land and he's now alone with his fears, with his thoughts and with the worry that somebody the king no less, is after his very life. How does that make him feel? How does that cause him to respond to God? How does it cause him to respond to other people? These are the questions that we're asking as we dig our way into this fascinating and most interesting of series as we look at the life of David through the Psalms. But we'll put a hold on it there for today, and we will come back to our next session in a very short space of time. But um, until we do our next podcast, I trust that our insight today will encourage us both to take a check on the potential of jealousy in our own hearts and also ask questions about how we will respond if we find that people. Are expressing jealousy towards us. And so, until next time, may grace and peace be with you.